told you that at one point there was like a, a chronological cut of this. Was that something you'd be interested in watching now? Or do you think it kind of works just watching it one and then two? Uh, I think I get it. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to watch six more hours, six more hours of it. I mean, Jesus, dude. in a different order. Uh, hey everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Lon. And I finally watched The Godfather Part 2. So let's get down to it. Which is better? One or two? Um, man, it's been so long since we've seen one. I had to like refresh um, what exactly all happened in one. But I think two's better. Really? I do. I, I enjoyed two more. Even though I didn't think I was, because to be honest with you, the uh, the runtime uh, scared the absolute shit out of me. I was like, am I really going to sit down for three hours and 21 minutes and watch this whole thing? And I did not um, watch it through straight. I had to break it up into like three different sections. Uh, well, session, I mean, there, sessions. There, is, there is an intermission at some point. So like even the director realized <laughs> you might need a t- five or ten. Yeah, for people freaking in the movie theater watching this three and a half hour movie who is like, I really freaking need a pee. You know what I'll say, though? Um, I, f- I think that a lot. It's I'll start by saying this. It's weird seeing. A sequel done back in like the 70s compared to a sequel done today. In which, like, um, especially since it is both a sequel and a prequel to the original um, film. And what I mean by that, and the the weirdness, is that nowadays, when you have a prequel um, of a movie, you have a lot of callbacks. Um, I'm going to sound kind of like a film elitist here, but you know how, like, most movies nowadays are based off of something? Like, it's very hard to find a movie off of an original idea and everything is based off of a comic or a book or whatever. Um, or reboot or reboot or video game. Um, so what was kind of funny with this is that, um, the parts, the veto part with, um, De Niro, uh, Robert De Niro. Yeah. Is that, it's a straight prequel. It's it's exactly how Don Corleone got to power, got into the position he was in at the beginning of Godfather Part 1. Um, and saying that, you know how nowadays it's kind of like cheesy um, callbacks to movies and their prequels, like their prequel, like um, one thing. Solo, like- Solo is like the main example I think of nowadays of just like, so at the camera a perfectly bad example of that uh, a good example of that would be like the um the terminator series i feel like they yeah. always do that even though it's not really a prequel um they always do callbacks so one thing that i kind of found funny is that they didn't rely on callbacks in like a horrendous way like you said like solo did but one callback that i thought it was like oh, you got to put that in there if you don't put that in there you got you just you have to put that in there is when De Niro's like, I'll make him an offer he don't refuse, you know? Which is yeah, a yeah. little bit different from what he originally said in the in Godfather one. Um, but 
Well, that's I think he says it twice in in the first Godfather too, which is like it's his thing. It's like it's what he does. So it would make sense that that would be in the in the prequel part of the second one. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I just thought it was it was kind of funny um, because didn't didn't the Don that he killed say yeah say something similar to that? Um, Say something like I mean. Not as like I'll make him an author they can't refuse. Not nothing like that. Just like um, he said something along the lines of like uh, something you know, about an offer. Don't, he said like don't refuse me or something. I think, but I don't know. Yeah, don't something know like exactly. either with a a phrase with the word offer or refuse in it. Uh, definitely not both. Um, but I thought that <laughs> yes. that gave. But that, I thought that gave inspiration to like that was the uh, birth of that saying for him. Also the voice the voice that he uses the 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 marlon brando voice and coming out of robert de niro um that was kind of funny to me like if you wanted to call that a combat uh callback i don't know but he didn't always use the voice throughout the entire film well apparently too he started using like a mouth prosthetic later on in the filming like, you know, as the movie's going along chronologically, he started wearing one to more mimic, like, the way um, Brando did it. Explain to also, me what a mouth prosthetic is. You don't remember at the end of Godfather 1, Brando had these, like, things in his cheeks to, like, make them puff out, and so he talked weird. Yeah. Well, like, De Niro was doing something similar at the end of Godfather 2. Oh. And it's also funny too about the the sequel part of Godfather Two. Almost seems like it starts right after the end of Godfather One. You know, it opens up with these guys like kissing Mike's hand and like coming to him as he's sitting in a chair, and it mimics the end of Godfather One. But then you realize it's years later because they're like now at Lake Tahoe, like um, on the I think it's California Nevada border. So I thought that part was interesting. In answer of my question, I asked you, I like one better, um, a lot better. I just like the story more. I've said several times when we do movies like this that I enjoy the rise more than the fall. Right. And what's funny too is I talked to you like when you had like an hour, hour and a half left of Godfather 2 and you were talking and we were kind of agreeing that we liked the Michael Corleone parts better than the Vito Corleone parts. Although I think the the ending of the Vito Corleone part is very satisfying. Although very like telegraphed that you know it's going to happen. Right. Um, his revenge. But given that I like the Michael parts more and that I like like the rise of gangsters more than the fall of them, I just find it more enjoyable. I, I just, I like the story more of, of one. I like, I like two as well. Like they're both masterpieces, obviously, but if I had to choose one to watch again, it'd probably be one. I get that. Um, you know, we were talking about how kind of simplistic the story is for two in both the Michael and the Vito parts. Um, but what about one Godfather part one is that the story isn't that simplistic. It's more in depth, I think, with like the beginning of it being like, can you get this movie star starring role into the thing? And then the guy was like, no. And then he ended up with his, you know, horse's head in his bed and then that's like, okay, that's done. Now we move on to this kind of thing. And then it correlates back to the, you know, everything kind of like comes together, which is 
really good with storytelling. What I would have liked to seen is more parallels in two. You know, you see Vito, you see Michael, and it would be cool to see more of um, uh, coincidences, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, in both of their lives. Like, find themselves in similar situations and then having Vito and Michael either do drive home the point that they're complete opposites or that they're like just alike. You know, do you see what I'm saying? Well, yeah. Well, the second one, and this is funny. I was like, Oh, so he's just kind of juxtaposing the rise of Vito with the fall of Michael. And then I read somewhere like, Oh, that was the point. And I was like, Oh, sweet. I got the most obvious point in the world. I was able to figure it out. But if you compare the first one to the second one, the, the parallels of Vito with Michael are, are obviously there. Like the killing of Don Finucci with the killing of Salazzo and, and McCluskey, the, you know, the cop. Yeah. Um, and it's just like the, the trajectory of Michael becoming the Don and the trajectory of Vito becoming the Don, I think is, is very similar. So, I, and I said this before, I don't know, I guess I can ask you this now before we start actually getting into the plot, but I told you that at one point there was like a, a chronological cut of this. Was that something you'd be interested in watching now or do you think it kind of works just watching it one and then two? Uh, I think I get it. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to, I don't need to watch. Six more hours? Six more hours of it. I mean, Jesus, dude. In a different order? Ugh. But it's in a different order. You see, you get what I'm saying. Oh, it's in a different order. Yeah, that doesn't change my mind. Um, apparently, so apparently, um, De Niro's only on screen for like 46 minutes, which it seems like it's not. It's a lot more than that. But I guess uh, the Michael Michael part is is way longer than the Vito part. Yeah, I know. Just like 46 minutes means that like there's two hours and 45 minutes of the Michael part, and I didn't realize that the the ratio was that high. Oh, so I did. That's, I was like, Jesus. You know, though, I mean, we, we did talk about how we enjoyed the Michael part more than the Vito part. But I will say that the assassination coup part of the Vito part was some of my favorite parts in the entire movie. Yeah, well, and similarly, the Michael killing Salazzo and McCluskey is my favorite part of both movies. Of the, but yeah, like in the, the first Nero, movie, yeah. No, I'm saying of all of all of it. No, like but that the, happened those... in the first film. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's and that's like obviously paralleled with Vito. Like I, I do love the way like Robert De Niro is kind of stalking him on the rooftops as like the the carnival um, parade is going on. Like that, that's all really cool. Um, you want to get into it? I thought we got into it. Um... <laughs> Vito, Sicily, 1901. This is how I chronologically kept it in my head. I um. You know, obviously we can talk about how like this Don Chich Chicho Chichio is, you know, kills Vito's father, kills his brother, and then the mom goes to him. I don't understand how the mom didn't realize that he was not gonna that he was not gonna kill the son. No, I think she 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 knew he was gonna kill him and she went there to plead. Um yeah, but I, I just don't, I, I don't know, understand why she didn't, like, she thought she could reason with him. Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe she didn't think there was any other way. Like, she didn't think that it was possible for her to save him. No. <laughs> and then these random, like, relatives are just like, oh, let's just fucking send him to America. Yeah. Um, I will say 
though, and this is my fault in, in watching um, the What If series on Disney Plus for Marvel, because uh, uh, I know it's a tangent, but you, you haven't seen it, right? No, you can spoil it for me. I do not give a shit. I'm not spoiling it. I'm just saying that it's each episode is like um, a different parallel universe into like, what if this changed instead of this, right? In, in the Marvel universe. And so I thought what would be kind of funny is like, in this circumstance, what if they just offed Vito like right there and then the, the mother ran roll. away? The credits roll? No, stop. I'm <laughs> saying it's a whole revenge story buildup, but instead of the godfather, it's the godmother. And she, like, the whole movie's about her getting revenge. That wins zero Oscars. Especially back in the 70s. Um, like, the other thing, a movie about a woman? <laughs> The other thing, yeah, we'll talk about the women in the movie. The other thing that um, I just like, as this opening scene is happening, I couldn't imagine being a nine-year-old going to a new country with no one. My entire family has been murdered. I don't speak the language in this new country. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just like, holy shit, that has to be rough. Like, it's because it's because you're you're weak. Oh yeah, you can totally handle it. Yeah. <laughs> um. It, man i you know it, it's funny too because i was like imagine how strong-willed you'd have to be back back in like the um when was that the 50s it was 1901 when when did the oh yeah you're right shoot yeah okay so it was like the beginnings of the 1900s but just imagine how strong-willed you have to be and just like you have to be so strong-willed or a complete psychopath to deal with that emotionally. And he seemed really, really weak. He had like smallpox. <laughs> I don't even know how he survived that boat trip. Did he have smallpox? Yeah, yeah. They put him in like a jail cell basically after he got there because they're like, I think they said he had smallpox. Mm. The I, on one hand, I like the. Um, transitions from Vito's story to Michael's story but then on the other hand I was like halfway into Michael's story when I realized it was Michael's story I was like whoa 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 what happened here <laughs> like when did we get from this little boy to I guess quote-unquote present day <laughs> well yeah and if you are paying attention they did put it up like for that first transition they put on the board like Anthony whatever I think they put Michael son or something like that and I was like all right yeah that's good because I liked the transition of how it like seamlessly went from what you think is Vito to Michael's son but I was like without an explainer and apparently like when this movie was first cut the uh, transitions were a lot more between Michael and Vito's story Mm. and the audience was like that's confusing as shit so there's actually a lot less and you still got confused was it supposed to be less? Sorry, you mean like with a more of a transitional like period? Between... No, I'm saying they just transitioned a lot more. There were more changes back and forth. Oh, they the went back and forth much more. Yeah, yeah, that'd yeah. Be, that'd be weird. No, I just really got confused on the first one because I was just trying to establish all the characters, especially with like the the age jump for Vito, and then you see Vito staring out of the cell at, onto the Statue of Liberty, and then the next shot was. Michael's son walking down the the pew and you're like at, at least I was like is that Vito did he get a job like I'm so confused but um but yeah I I caught up pretty quick after that and um 
and the the final thing i liked about that is the the name change by the immigration guy just of like ah fuck it corleone because i've had like several friends who have like immigrated over here who've had their names fucked up by immigration like and they just stuck with it what are you what are you saying we legally like they'd have to legally change it back it's like it's a whole fucking process oh really yeah yeah you have to go to court to get your name changed unless you get married um well that that was kind of like that was kind of cool for me because thinking back to like how many italian um, uh, italian americans i know with like names and i'm like you know those are names of 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 you know their grandfather or great grandfather or whatever probably ended up in the same uh situation as Fido. and then it's like their names are basically just names of places they came from you know right yeah no it's interesting and also kind of sad too like the the names being lost i had another friend who um his like distant relatives when they came over here there were three brothers and they all changed the spelling of their name like one kept the original and the other two changed the spelling like to be slightly different and so like my friend's last name is spelled differently than any other like of that name like in history basically it's like a whole different name. That's like a, that's, that is cool. Weird. Interesting. That, the, that is interesting. The next scene is the Lake Tahoe scene and it's 1958, just so you don't get lost. Thanks. I, I really like the, uh, this is what a, um, I guess it's a first communion thing and it's a party for Anthony's first communion, like similar to the, the wedding in the first movie. Yeah. Um, and so you just, you get the ability to have Michael acting as the Don at a, at an event. Although I don't think he's allowed to, I think he's allowed to refuse things because this isn't the day of his daughter's wedding. So he is allowed to like, say, nah, I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm going to get characters names mixed up, but the guy who really wanted to meet with him and Michael wouldn't meet with him. Frankie. Frankie. So Frankie proved to be an interesting character throughout the entirety of the film. Um, but didn't he feel bad for Frankie? I do. And Frankie, there's some very interesting like aspects of Frankie's character, like throughout the movie, like kind of like happenstance that changed things. So for one, um, Frankie's character was introduced because Clemenza, the actor who played Clemenza didn't come back, mm-hmm. you know, at the party, he says, Oh, Clemenza had a heart attack. And then Frankie's like, Clemenza didn't have a heart attack. So, which they never really explained what actually happened to him. But that actor kind of got into it with Coppola in the first movie. And then there's some issues with, like, there's some back, like, it's unclear why he didn't come back. There's some things out there about, like, he didn't want to gain the weight to do it again because it would be bad for his health, which I think he died, like, a few years after the second one. Um, Jesus. Yeah, and then he was also the highest paid actor in the first movie. And he wanted, like, I think he wanted more money for the second. So, like, a bunch of issues. But basically, he... He was going to do the, the, he was going to testify before Congress. And because he didn't come back, they needed a new character. And that's where Frankie comes in. So that was the whole thing about the Roth faking the assassination that it was Michael, but then it was actually going to kill him, but it didn't end up killing him because of the cops interference. So he just ended up being a liability. Yeah. And I, I want to talk about it when we get to it, but there's like, I was very confused by those scenes. It's the only time I needed to rewind. And there's actually a reason I was confused. And I want to talk, I like, we'll talk about it when we get to it. But like, I, 
those are like kind of the most interesting parts because it like sets up basically the last that one scene kind of sets up like the last half of the movie basically yeah um Um, so we get to the point where uh hey also frankie's voice did that change drastically or was he just drunk during the entire first scene that he was in i don't know he might have been drunk (laughs) he is, is raspy for for most of it but he definitely he he was probably actually drunk from what I read, but he, uh, if he wasn't, he played drunk very well in the, uh, in the party scene. Um, yeah. Besides like Connie showing up and still being like, ha- like horrible and not taking care of her kids. The only really important part to me of this, of this part is the Senator, like kind of the coolest part. And I, I just, I love the battle of like, you know, he's like, I'm a Senator. So you're going to do what I say. And this is what I want. And Mike being like, nah, I'm the one with the power. You're going to do what I say. And it's pretty, mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting. And the way it's resolved is kind of very, like, very neat. I, I was just talking about it now. So the way it's resolved is the senator, I think, kills a prostitute. But he doesn't remember killing the prostitute. Right. And then if you look over, Rocco is in the room. And I, they don't come out and say it, but to me, it's like they drugged the senator and they killed the prostitute to frame him. Right. Is that what you got out of that too? That's what I got out of it. Seems pretty drastic. Seems like <laughs> you could have. Seems like you could have not killed a, a hooker and still accomplished you know, similar things. It also didn't help that the building was owned by Fredo. By Fredo. Man, yeah. talk about the guy who gets the short end of the stick in this movie is Fredo. Yeah. yeah. Like, he, I didn't like him at all. Like, there was not a single character I wanted to see die more in the first one than Fredo. And by the end of the second one, I was like, I really like Fredo. Oh, shoot. Yeah. That's a shame. I mean, this is a commonly known thing, but you know that actor, um, he died really, he died at like in his 40s from lung cancer. Do you know the five movies he was in, in his life? Uh, Godfather 1, Godfather Part 2, The Conversation, Dog Day Afternoon, and The Deer Hunter. Dog Day Afternoon, yes. That, like, that's it. You know, he, if he had kept, Dog Day Afternoon, he was the one, he was the... the... I, 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 I haven't seen Dog Day Afternoon. Don't, oh. don't say anything. Oh, oh. But that's such an amazing run of movies. It's like ridiculous. That's interesting. Um, I've never seen the, the Deer conversation. Hunter. Or the conversation. Seen the conversation? No. I'll tell you what, though. We can't, we can't watch all these gangster films back to back to back. Like... We we either have to do The Godfather 3, like, right now, or we can't do any gangster film in between. Because I was racking my brain trying to be like, all right, is this from, was that reference from Godfather Part 1? Or am I remembering a scene from Casino? Or, because, you know, at the end in the court hearing, and I'm jumping around a bit, but in the court hearing, they were talking about how in Las Vegas, um, Michael owns casinos and hotels and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, no, De Niro owns, no, that was Casino. And I was like, "Ah, never mind. I'm totally confused. We also got to figure out if you're going to watch the original Godfather 3, if we're going to watch Coda. What's Coda? Uh, Francis Ford Coppola, like, recut 
Godfather three recently to like try and make it better. Oh, well, we're going to watch whatever version I already have on DVD. (laughs) Great. Um, I do love last thing about this scene. I love Mike's uh, response to the senators. Like as the senators walking away, he's like, you can have my answer now, Senator. Yeah. (laughs) Just like so calmly. And so like, so gangster. Um, You already talked about Frankie. I do. I want to mention when Tom Hagen is forced to walk outside as Johnny Ola walks in. And it's like this entire movie, Mike treats Tom pretty poorly. And Tom kind of gets the short end of the stick, Robert Duvall, like in both movies, really. Yeah. Um, And what I read that is interesting about this is that Tom Hagen was having an affair with Sonny's widow. But that got cut out of the movie and the only remnants of it are at the very end mike makes some offhand comment like to tom like hey you can move to vegas with your wife and your mistress yes um and so i think that maybe explains why he's treated so poorly like i mean mike's first action as don is to tell tom he's out for no apparent reason but Um, he's not really out right well, he's no longer conciliary and he's doing like the Vegas stuff, which turns out the Vegas stuff is, is the main stuff. But uh, as far as Godfather two gets, but I just think he's, he's treated pretty poorly and that cut part makes it make a lot more sense. If, if that's the reason. Um, uh, what's funny is that, you know, I, I, I barely remembered Sonny as a character and then it all came rushing back to me at the, at the last scene at the dinner table. Right. And I was like, what happened to him? Yeah, it was because in the, all, all the Vito flashbacks, there were three brothers. There's three brothers. And uh, I looked it up to remind myself what happened to him. I was like, how the hell did I forget that? It was one of the best scenes in The Godfather is the toll booth shooting, right? And then I was like, good. I'm glad he's dead. I hated that son of a bitch. That was like, at least Fredo had like a redeeming quality to him. But Sonny was just the, just the worst what's also and i don't remember if this is established in in one but the fact that Sonny sets carlo up with his sister connie like probably makes him more angry when carlo beats the shit out of his sister you know that's like why he need like my favorite scene from the first one is Sonny beating the shit out of carlo in the street like a dog yeah that was good that was good i've already said like several other things are my favorite but that's one of them it's okay Um, it's a good it's a good film um then, then, um, cause yeah, you're right. Sonny did set him up, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, that's established in like the last scene of this. I don't yeah. know if it's established in the first movie. I don't know. Um, back to this movie cause we're just going to take forever. But, um, <laughs> I like the scene where, uh, as Connie's like soon to be husband is in the room, Mike's like tells him to get out and she's like, nah, he can stay. And he's like, all right, leave this guy. <laughs> like, Come live back here. This guy will understand. Like, you're, you're fucking killing your family here and you don't even see your kids. And she's just like, nah, I'm going to go off with this guy. She's the worst. But I need money. She's I think horrible. She, re- she redeems herself in the end. Connie? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, now, hold on. What's an interesting character I thought was Kay. Um, because when we left Kay at the end of one, she was not allowed to see what was happening behind the closed doors. You know, it was a great shot of the door closing in her face. Um, and in this one, uh, she 
I found, I mean, maybe you have an interesting fact, but I found what happened to her character was just kind of weird um, with her leaving him, having the abortion, like everything like that towards the end. It just felt like out of nowhere. Not I think, really yeah, I, out I th- of nowhere, but... I, th- I think her motivation is very poorly established in this movie because, you know... And at this party, she tells Mike, like, hey, you know, it's been seven years since you said five years you'd be legit. And he's like, yeah, I'm working on it. And I guess maybe being dragged in front of Congress as a mafia guy and so everyone knows and, like, all of that would make her. But her reaction seems so over the top considering she knew what she was getting into. Like she didn't have any pretense of like, he, I know the person I'm marrying and having children with is a mafia guy. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but on top of that too, you could see that their relationship was not going to last by the end of the first one. Cause there was too many things that she was against already. So the fact that we joined them back in two and they are still married, it would have been interesting to see them already divorced at the start of two. That would have made more sense to me. Well, you'll enjoy the start of three. (laughs) I'm sure I I will. Um, And I guess we can talk about the abortion part now, but so the actress that played Connie, it was actually her idea to change the script to have Kay say that she had an abortion rather than a miscarriage. And uh, because of that, Coppola added like some more lines for her at the end to make her character a little Connie, the character Connie better. Cause he was like, that's such a fucking great idea. But to me, that just I like, makes... I like all the political shit in, in between the script writing. It's like, wow, you gave me this good idea. I'm going to give you this better line. Wow. You, uh, <laughs> well, we can, you talk fucked about me it. over and you got drunk on set. Well, now I'm going to make your character die like a dog in the mud, you know? Right. Well, it's even funnier. I guess we'll do it now. But Pacino actually told Coppola, he's like, yeah, the script shit. I'm not coming. And so Coppola spent a weekend rewriting it. And then later on, Pacino's like, yeah, it wasn't that bad, but I knew it could be better. <laughs> Just like, it's like, that's uh, fucked up. Um, and then also the guy that plays Frankie uh, did his lines in front of Congress. And Coppola's like, that's fucking great. Let's record it right now. I'm like, oh, we have to break for lunch. And then Frankie came back drunk from lunch. <laughs> And so, like, didn't do it as great. Oh, my the God. The actor that played Frankie. No, I get it. Um, I just want to get to the Congress scene, because now that you mention it, there's so much to talk about there. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll take a step back. Um, do we talk about Vito now? Do you want to kind of just talk about Vito all the way through? Um, nope. Nope, you want to intercut it like the movie? Let's, let's pay homage. The last thing I want to talk about this, besides... The Frankie with the Rosado brother stuff, which I think is cool. Just all the setting up of like, yeah, he's like, Hey, I need you to back off. Cause I got this deal with Roth. So back the fuck off. The only other thing that I think is really funny is Rocco going up to Fredo and be like, Hey, Mike said, if you can't take care of your wife, I'm going to have to. And Fredo's like, yeah, you better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fredo's defeated, a defeated, defeated man. And then the Mike just like, you're my brother, Fredo. You're like, you don't ever have to apologize to me. I think it's, is cool. Um, but yeah, so next is the, uh, is Kay telling Michael like, Hey, why are the drapes open? 
So this this one was interesting because it was uh, like a intuition sort of thing, and and also why were the drapes open? Like it almost like let it made it sound like someone went in there, opened the drapes for the setup of the shooting. Well, let's do it now. So I read this and I was like, ah, I guess that makes sense. It's the only way. But someone pointed out that when Fredo tells later on, he's like, hey, Mike, I didn't know it was going to be a hit. I thought it was going to be something else. That Mike knows that's bullshit because the drapes are open. Because the guys who shot at him couldn't go into his bedroom unnoticed and open the drapes. But Fredo could. So Fredo would have had to have been the one to open the drapes. Which makes sense because uh, early on when he's like with Mike and Cube, he's like, Mike, I was so mad at you. I noticed that line too. Which, let's talk about this now. I'm going out of order just like you. Let's go. But when Fredo's like, oh, I've never met Johnny Ola and they're introduced to each other. Like 10 minutes later, they're at a club and he's like, where, (laughs) I guess it's just a fucking like, I don't even know what that show was. That was no, was yeah. Apparently, so, it's just a dude with a huge dick. What? Wait, did I miss something? They're at the the senator and yeah, yeah. And the girl was like tied up to the post. And then a guy walks in front of her and unleashes his, his like takes off like a uh-huh. a thing. And and uh, the senator, I, there were some lines that definitely, but the senator's like, "How do you know about these places?" <laughs> and so, but Fredo just. Without missing me, he's like, oh, Johnny Ola told me about this. <laughs> like, he knows about all these places. I really wish that scene wasn't in there because in the first one, you get all these cool, subtle scenes where Mike figures stuff out and it doesn't need to be spelled out for him. But here, you know, Fredo's like, oh, Mike, I was really mad at you. And oh, he sees Johnny Ola and Fredo like act weird to each other. But like, oh, we've never met. Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. And they show Mike looking at that like, that's fucking weird. Um, I kind of wish they had let him figure it out in a more subtle way than just Fredo slipping up like an idiot. Um, I guess I'm going to have to be the, I, I agree with you, but I feel like there are some more nuanced things that are in there that, that do pay off in the end. And so I felt like it was okay to have these like overtly obvious things just because the general audience, you know, the general public is stupid. And so you kind of have to spell things out for people, but what I what I what I liked was the nuance on on you know Michael coming to Cuba, seeing that the rebel killed himself for the cause in the traffic holdup, and then reiterating that back to um, the guy in Cuba. You can Roth. tell. Oh, that was Roth. Oh Real shoot! Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, it is Roth. So um, I thought Roth now because Roth, because when we first meet Roth, he is in Miami, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, first time you meet him is in Miami, right? And so then he goes to Cuba, but he tells Roth, he's like, you know, I saw this this uh, rebel, basically getting to the point that you fight more if you fight on the basis of what you believe in than if you get paid for it, you know? Right. Or you fight a harder battle. Um, but I'm, what I'm getting at is that then you have the scene where Fredo is like, yeah, Johnny Ola told me about it. And Michael is right behind him and literally like puts his face in his hand and starts like, 
oh no no like like really like uh over dramatically like yeah really selling it (laughs) distraught about his brother's betrayal um and then gives the little signal to his bodyguard to like go to roth's room and like kill him which is like i don't know how you fail at doing that um like yeah i want to talk about that when we get to it but let's let's just quickly like so I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the one that 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 wants to back up for a second. So we get back to Michael being shot at through his bedroom window. Right. Um Now, the whole thing about that and and I'm still a little confused about it, but I'm going to say what I think happened and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Cuz you read the Wikipedia plot outline. Um So he gets shot through the window. And they find the guys, and I guess the guys have killed themselves in the sewer. I don't know. That part is is doesn't make sense to me. Like who shot them? There must have been maybe like their getaway person killed them, or because it couldn't have been Fredo that killed them. Because you know whatever. Um, I'm not sure how they died but i also think they know those two guys in doing that how did they think they were going to get away like that i think it's just like an unexplained part of it but mike knows as he says he's like oh they're not going to find those dudes alive because someone on the inside wants them dead you know i mean someone on the inside has made this happen um i guess or um the uh the sewer right they were trying to get out of the they got in through the sewer line out out through the sewer line yeah but I guess maybe the person, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The person that was waiting for them at the sewer, like killed them and then took off. But it looks like their throats were cut. It's not, it doesn't look like they were just shot. It looks like they were like close up. Yeah. To, um, yeah. I mean, that part isn't explained because it doesn't really make sense. Cause in the end you find out only Fredo is the one that was kind of on the inside. So the part that I was getting at, I wasn't even confused at that part. Like I was, but that wasn't the part what I was talking about, but that I was talking about was simply, um, Frankie basically looks guilty at setting that up, but then it was actually Roth that set it up. But then Roth told Michael it was Frankie. And then, so Michael went to Frankie and you're thinking, Oh shoot, he he's going to kill Frankie. Cause he thinks, and then he's like, nah, Frankie, it's not you. It's totally Roth. And then Frankie's like, Oh shit. Is it really? And so who is it really? It was, it was Roth. It was Roth? Yeah, so this is, we'll get to it, and then we're going to have to back up. But so he goes to Roth, and he's like, hey, Frankie did this, because he wants Roth to think that he thinks Frankie did it, so that Roth is unsuspecting. He goes to Frankie, and it doesn't really make sense the way he screams at Frankie, that in my home, where I sleep with my children and my wife, who's going to leave me. Um, it doesn't make sense the way he screams at him, but he then tells him, he's like, Hey, I know Roth did this. And that is the truth. And he says, Hey, go to the Rosado brothers and make peace. Frankie goes to the Rosado brothers. And this is the scene that's really confusing to me, but then it gets explained later. And a guy comes up behind Frankie and says, Michael Corleone says, hello. Right. And that's, I'm just like, what the fuck? So confused. Turns out the actor that did that, Danny Ayalo, 
probably butchered his last name. I apologize. It's fine. He just decided to say that. And Coppola was like, that's fucking great. Just say it every time now. Wasn't in the script. And the actor, Danny Aiello, was like, I don't even fucking remember doing that. I was so, I was so nervous, like, working with Coppola. He's like, I just fucking came out. So that whole line, just, it's brilliant and confusing at the same time. Because in the end, you find out that Roth set this up so that Michael would eventually take the fall. So it almost it almost makes it seem like Roth wanted them to almost kill Frankie. Right. But then not, which is why he didn't die. But and that doesn't make sense because it only feels like they half they almost killed him only because the cop happenstance decided to walk in. Right. And they don't explain it. Maybe that was all just a setup too to make it elaborate. I don't know. But like, so you're saying like, it was it was all a setup to make it elaborate for all those people to get shot and killed. Well, who died? The guy. The, the, his bodyguard didn't die because his bodyguard testifies. Uh, Chi-Chi testifies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he does. No, 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 he does, but not him. No, the the guy, the the big guy in the black hat dies. Does he gets in the car? No, he dies, dude. Mm-hmm. Fucking gets shot on the street. And a couple cops died too. But I'm saying you're gonna take you that risk. The guy I don't know. I didn't I didn't see anyone die. Maybe uh, maybe some cops got shot. I like uh, so that's like some after the fact, like, oh, this is maybe what happened. But really it's all made weird because one actor decided to put in a line that shouldn't have been there. But in reality, Roth was killing him. But so my question is, originally in the script, was it all laid out to, to Frankie to turn on Michael in the court hearing? It was. And the only reason he decided to do it was because he felt like the assassination attempt was Michael was behind it. Right. And he the only reason he thought Michael was behind it is because no. of the guy's line. Oh, I still think you could think Michael was behind it because Michael tells him to go to the Rosado brothers and make a deal and you'll be safe. And then he gets killed. Yeah, I guess you're right. I can see that. All right, I'll buy it. Um, let's backtrack a little bit. I do like the stuff where um, he tells Tom that he's been keeping him at distance just because I guess in case something real bad happened and he needed him to take over and like he doesn't trust Fredo because Fredo's weak. But it like really affects Tom. He's like, oh, you know, this is all I ever wanted was to be, uh, to be your brother, and like you have not clearly not treated me that way. Um, but in, anyway, it, it, you know what? You said you wanted to cover most of the veto stuff now. So if you want, if you if you want to go through it, because it's honestly pretty simple. So cool. So real quick, uh, speaking of Fredo, I found it hilarious that he was born with pneumonia. He's been weak his whole fucking life. Exactly. Um, apart from that, um, I mean, I guess just really the main bulk of the Vito story is that he is in a part of um, New York that's like heavily uh, Italian and heavily um, run by this Don. Uh, run, and run by the black hand the black hand but um you 
you get bits and pieces how Vito doesn't quite understand how things work around here, but his uh, his neighbor friend does and kind of like shows him the ropes, eventually getting him into like the life of a thief. Yeah. Well, and then also, I mean, the, actually the main person that really gets him into that life is Clemenza. You know, the guy who lives across the way from him is like, hey, or hide this. And it turns that's, out to be guns. That's his neighbor friend. Oh, right. Well, but there's the other friend that introduces him to his girl. Um, and is like, oh, isn't she the most beautiful? And then Don Finucci's there. And Don Finucci, like, almost, like, cuts her face because her father won't give him enough money. And, you know, Vito's like, how can you do that to other Italians? And it really kind of sets up that the first movie, like, really establishes that Don Vito's, like, a good Don. Like, he's not really doing bad things. Right. Um, and the second movie kind of explains, like, his thought process, you know, going up. Like, you know, you shouldn't treat these people like they're just a cash cow. You should actually help them so that you receive stuff from them. Um, like a and good there's also this there's also this thought of, like, he could have just made a shit ton of money in the olive oil business. He didn't really need to like turn into the crime aspects because he right. just was doing this import stuff. But um, he could, he saw how like, I think at that point, what the movie was trying to show you is that if he didn't turn into the crime part of it, then someone would have, and he would be exploited. And yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, and then also the rug scene is pretty like hilarious. Incons- it's inconsequential, but it's like very tense. Yeah, um, especially when they were just going to, I guess, blow the head off that cop. So I couldn't tell because it's early 1900s. Was it a cop or was it like a, a driver? A milkman? <laughs> well, he looked like he had the outfit of like someone who drove like a rich person around. And that was like a really nice house too. So like I, I thought that could have been it. Um, and also like why was a cop just snooping around this, at a, you know, but whatever. Well, because there was two grown men taking forever breaking into that house. Right. And the other thing, too, is Finucci uh, gave his nephew Vito's job, basically told this guy, like, hey, that's, uh, that's Vito's job now. So, you know, or that's, that's my nephew's job now. So, and Vito is out, which is also why he needed to get rid of Finucci because he kind of fucked him over. Yep. Um, yeah. The next part is with Vito, since we're going to run through all that real quick, is Fredo's. Fredo's pneumonia and then them putting like candles on his chest and then like this thing over top of it to like pull out the pneumonia it was like some form of cupping but i was like well that that's funny how that was like early 1900s and we we do that now as like a bougie homeopathic remedy for things right but it was Um, probably like their only like way of medically treating something back then yeah i'm not sure i um I do like this part where basically Finucci's like, hey, I want 200 from each of you of the 600 you got. But if you got less, you know, I'll take less. And um, this is where we get to meet young Tessio, uh, who's played by Abe Bogota in the first one. And uh, I just like that Vito's just like, you know, I can, I can get him to take less. And they're both like, that makes no sense. That's not going to work. What are you talking about? But yeah, let's try it because we want to keep more of our money. Yeah. So, and I also love that Vito's like, you each give me 50. And so you think like, oh, they each give him 50. He'll put in 50. He'll give the guy 150. But no, he just gives them their, their 50. Right. 
and then takes it back. Yep. Um, well, not all of it back because he donated some onto the Jesus statue before. That's true. I'm pretty sure he Finucci had more than a hundred dollars, like in his, you know, little uh, little jacket pocket. How insulting would that be? Is you just pay the guy a hundred bucks and he just like literally gives it to charity? I did. Yeah, I did think about about that. It's just like he didn't even need it, right? He doesn't need my money. He just no. Um, and so this is where we get the uh, I'm going to make him an offer he don't refuse line mm-hmm. and. It's a little convenient how it just works where Finucci's like, oh, wow, I like your spirit. Okay, you can come work for me. Like, come back to me. I'll get you some, you know, some jobs that can make you some money. But I do think that had the, the conversation not gone well, he still was just going to kill him. You know what I mean? So, like, it didn't really matter. It didn't matter whether – well, there's two ways you can look at it because this is the thought I had. Maybe it didn't matter what Finucci did. Finucci was going to die. Or he took it well, so Finucci wasn't going to die. But then he fucking pinched his cheek. And Vito's like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> not, getting my, not getting my cheek pinched over here. You're, you're going to have to die now. So you think that was the inciting act? What was interesting is I think he was just going to kill him anyways. Didn't, didn't matter what he said. Because, I mean, he to the elaboration of like, making sure the door was unlocked on the other side of the building and then hiding the gun specifically there. Like that took a lot of setup. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, he definitely, he definitely pre-planned the murder. Um, And so that makes you think, Oh, he's going to follow through with it no matter what, but he also could have, Hey, I need to set this up in case this goes bad. And he threatens me. Um, Yeah, I guess you're right. You, you don't know. Uh, I like to think that the face pinching was, was where he drew the line. He's like, all right, fuck this guy. Do not, do not touch my face. <laughs> um, do you think that De Niro was a good casting for a younger Marlon Brando? Yeah. I don't know how else you could have gotten. I think it was great. Um, apparently he moved to Sicily for three months and then spent four months learning Sicilian or Italian with like a Sicilian sort of like dialect um, to do that part. And then he only had either 17 words or 17 lines. I think 17 words in English in the entire movie. Yeah. Um, Trying to think what they were. Wasn't it a song or something? No, every once in a while he'd say like one English word. Um, so Coppola originally was going to try and get Brando to play his younger self. And they're just going to use like makeup and shit and make him look younger. Um, but De Niro had originally uh, auditioned for like a really tiny role on Godfather one, but didn't get it. And Coppola was like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to bring that guy back. Um, and didn't even offer it to Brando. And I think Brando would have probably refused because Brando was so pissed about Godfather one. So I'm not sure he would have come back anyway. You know, it's interesting. So he does Taxi Driver two years after this, right? And then Deer yeah. Hunter two years after that. And then two years after that, Raging Bull. Um, Coppola did not want to direct Godfather 2. He was so pissed about the experience of Godfather 1. And the only reason he agreed to do it is he was like, this one producer on Godfather 1 that had given him so much trouble. He's like, he can be nowhere near this movie if I'm going to do two. Who? Brando? Uh, no, is the producer's name is like Robert Evans. It doesn't really matter. Um, 
But Coppola originally, when he said he didn't want to do it, told the studio they should uh, get this little known director named Martin Scorsese to direct Godfather 2. <laughs> Who? And, this, and the studio was like, no, straight up no. Um, I think, oh, what I remember reading is Coppola actually also um, had seen uh, De Niro in Mean Streets, which is probably why he also thought that Scorsese would do a great job on Godfather 2, but that didn't work out. That would be so fucking interesting. Um, I don't think Scorsese's career would have been that much worse if, uh, you know, or that much better, I guess, really, because he got to do Godfather 2. Um, but it would have been an interesting change. Uh, the next Vito Corleone interlude we get is, um, it's also after the intermission, but he just basically is like, he's kind of a, a low-level Don right now. He gets free stuff. People love him. Um and it's the scene where this woman asks for his help because her landlord's kicking her out. Yeah. Um, I, I really love once the landlord realizes who he is, the coming back. And apparently the, they didn't let the actor know that the door was actually going to be locked and he couldn't open it. And so that was just like real. He's like, couldn't figure out how to open the door because they had stuck something in it to where it wouldn't open. And so, like, his, like, befuddlement of, like, you know, I'm so sorry, and, oh, I'll lower her rent. And, like, the thing with the door was just, like, he couldn't, like, it was all kind of real. Um, and I think that's, like, a really great scene. It's really um, fun. That, that, that actor is, like, more of a comedic actor, and I think that really works. When Michael is telling Tom, like, why don't you go back to Vegas with your wife, your kids, and your mistress scene, He's eating an orange, albeit he's eating an orange in the strangest fucking way I've ever seen anyone eat an orange before. Um, but it's around the same time as the last time you see uh, Vito um, when, uh, you know, people are giving him free stuff for his protection. Like, but it's, uh, it's oranges. He buys oranges from this, like, street vendor. Um, and he's going to go pay, and the guy is like, no, don't worry about it. I just I just found it kind of funny how it's oranges. And and usually in film it's apples. Like, you know, the guy eats an apple to show how big and bad he is. But it's oranges. Well, the oranges were a sign that someone was about to die. What? Yeah, in the first movie, Vito puts the orange in his mouth when he's chasing around his grandson. And he does like the little like uh thing and then he dies. But then there's like several scenes in the movie where uh yeah, Mike's eating the orange with Tom when he's talking about how Roth needs to be killed, and then I think there's a few other instances. Um so that's why that was in there. And also you said you wanted to talk about the veto stuff all the way through. And now you're yeah, you're but going no, back I mean, to oranges. No, here. no, no, no. It's just because there is oranges in the veto stuff. But that's it. So that's that's the it. That's the end of the veto stuff, right? Uh, no. No? Yeah, Vito goes to Sicily. Oh. This the is big, the end. This is the end. Um, I think one of the most obvious parts of this movie, from the point his mother gets shotgun blasted five feet back, is that Vito is going to come back and kill this guy. I am surprised that this guy is not already dead. Yeah, and really he was right to need to try and kill Vito. I mean, he turns out to be right in the end. Like I should have tried to kill this kid. Yeah. I mean, he did try. It just failed. Just, just failed. And it came um, back to bite him in the ass. But you know, what's weird is that, um, 
you know, we talked about this with the the Patriot um, too, because I believe that, you know, a good villain needs a good death. And I told you, I, I don't think that uh, Mel Gibson savored the death of, uh, what's his face? Tavington. Tavington well enough in, in The Patriot. But I really, really would have liked something in this movie where he leans down, says his father's name, and there's like this like, oh, I knew a... And then this like realization that this was the son that he tried to kill so many years ago. And then the stab in the gutting. Not just like, my father is blah, blah, blah. And he's like, what? I can't hear you. He's like, my father is blah, blah, blah. Like, save. That's kind of what happened. I know. But I'm saying, he should have savored it. Savored it more. Yeah, but there's also dudes with guns. So you got to get in and get out. Apparently, there's one dude with a gun. Which is weird, like, low security. I think there's two. At least two. Still, like, really low security. You know, when I said in Sicario that five wasn't enough, you guys didn't seem to, you know, think I was right. But all right. Um, I also really like, I didn't, I didn't pick this out, but I, I read it. Um, the house that Vito stays in where he says like, oh, hey, go give this to your grandmother. And I was like, well, all right. So is that his grandma? Or is that the maternal grandma of the kids? Because his his mom is dead. So it can't be the kid's paternal grandma. Could it be the wife's mother? That's what I was wondering. They don't really say. It doesn't matter. But anyway, the house... It's obvious, sta- I guess. They don't have to the- say. Because we saw her get shotgun blasted for five feet. Well, we definitely know it's not her. But um, that place they're staying at is the same place that Mike stays at with Apollonia which I did not realize. In, in Italy? Sicily. Which is in Italy. Yes. Okay. It's an island. Off of the coast. Uh, it's a very satisfying death. And uh, that's all. That's, that's the end of the veto stuff. Really. And now, let's backtrack. So, we are... Mike is on a train to go see Roth. We've kind of talked about this. You know, he tells Roth like, hey, uh, I know Frank tried to kill me, so I'm going to take that. I'm going to take care of that. Um, We immediately, though, do get like a Johnny Ola call to Fredo. So as the audience, we know kind of what's going on here that that Fredo has betrayed him to Roth. And I think that is kind of the clearest part that's like, hey, Roth is the one who tried to kill Mike. Yeah. But Mike knew that at that point, right? Mike knew that, but as the audience, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, he's told both these guys the exact opposite story. So who's he, who's he lying to? I assumed at the time it was Roth, but then that line of like, you know, Mike Corleone says, hello. I was definitely confused in that scene. Um, but as, uh, as we explained earlier, like 
the reason behind that was the actor. And yeah, so it was Roth who was trying to kill him. Um, the next scene before we get to Cuba, which I think Cuba is kind of the coolest part of this movie, um, is the senator and the dead hooker, which we talked about. Yeah. And then Kay is not allowed to leave the compound, which maybe that's why she wants to leave. It's because she's not allowed to leave. Don't tell me I can't leave. Um, I mean, yeah, but then like she tries uh, later on, she tries to take the kids and she's also not allowed to leave that. She's never allowed to leave. She does get away, though. She does get away. At the very end, when Kay wants a kiss from her son and then Mike Corleone walks up, I was like, is he going to tell his son to kiss her? And then he just slowly closes the door. I thought that was hilarious. I saw it coming, and, but I still gained immense joy out of that. I really love the Cuba stuff. I love like all the, the guerrilla background stuff with the revolutionaries and the Fidel stuff. And, and Mike seeing that, like, hey, everyone, everyone is so confident in the Cuban government, all the Roth people that this is going to be fine. And that like the money train is going to keep rolling in Cuba. And Mike's like, I don't see that. Um, and it's not really the reason he's holding back the 2 million, but it's, I guess, partially like why, Hey, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not giving over this money. Right. Um, and I like how Roth is just like, Oh, I assume, you know, you're the only one that didn't bring his money. If the other people find out, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be bad. And then, and then Fredo comes, trusting Fredo with $2 million, like you just must have so much money if that's like who you're letting bring $2 million. So mean. So mean of Fredo. Would you trust Fredo with $2 million? I mean, no, but man, I feel bad for the guy. And then he was just trying to get close to his nephew. And anyways, um, do you think the deaths of the sons um sunny fredo hits harder when you see them as kids no i ain't give a shit about that no no i'm once again i didn't care i didn't care if sunny died um fredo towards the end yeah you care um because he's just an idiot you know it's not like mike's a good guy here like you can root for him as the protagonist in this because he's like smart and savvy and you're like oh this is this is who we're following but like he's not a good guy so it's like i don't really fredo trying to kill him like he's never treated fredo right i guess he kind of has actually though he always loved him i don't know well not in the end um but but i i think that um the scene that really got me feeling bad for fredo was where he was like laying defeated on the couch and he was like you know i'm the older brother you're the younger brother like i'm supposed to be the one like i'm smart like people treat me dumb like as a I'm dumb smart person. not like they say like dumb i'm smart <laughs> okay albeit that wasn't the greatest you know um example of intelligence but still it's it's hard to kind of hear that from a guy you know yeah, it's pathetic. It's very pathetic. Jesus. It's hard to, yeah. hard to. I'm not saying it in a bad way. It's just, it is. Um, so yeah, I already talked about how, like, when Freddie says, "Mikey, I was mad at you," I thought then Mike knows, like, all right, he might be involved. Um, but then he tells him about the whole, like, "Hey, I'm going to be taken from the presidential palace and assassinated," but I've already taken care of this. And Freddie's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Hyman Roth won't see the New Year," which it's New Year's Eve. 
you know, it's not really explained, but you find out very quickly that it's New Year's Eve. So it's like he's dying tonight. Right. Um, the other thing about that, though, is that, um, first of all, who orders a banana daiquiri? That just sounds like the worst daiquiri. Like, there's so many other, I mean, strawberry for one, right? But, and I mean, I go, the, I go, I go pina colada or pina colada. I mean, it's not really a daiquiri, but how is it different? I mean, it's not, it's not really different, but banana, come on. Anyways, um, moving on past that, the, uh, the, I think your, your timeline's a little confused because he doesn't say I'm mad at you until after uh, he knows that he betrayed him. No, he uh, says it. He says it before. He's, he's like, Mike, I was so mad at you. But then like they get distracted and then he talks about the banana daiquiri. It's like at that scene. It is? Really? Yeah. So he just doesn't. I guess us as the audience knows at that point that he yeah. betrayed him at that point. Yeah. Um, I think the next thing that's cool is when Mike asks Roth who gave the go ahead on Frankie. And that's when it really comes home that like, all right, so Roth did this. And I, I love Roth's speech and he brings up like Mo Green, how he was really close to Mo Green. He's like, I didn't ask any questions when Mo Green was killed. Like, Hey, cause you killed Mo Green, Mike. Right. Um, so don't fucking ask me any questions about this guy that I had killed. I like how Roth is like, I'm going to go take a nap. If the 2 million is out here when I come back, like I'll know I have a partner. Um, and the 2 million is not out there. Right. And I also, so we talked about this earlier and we can kind of move past the queue because we've kind of gone all through it, but I, uh, I love how well Senator Geary has adapted to like, he hated Mike and everything he stood for. And now he's like, after the, the dead prostitute scene, he's just like, all right, well, let's, let's, I'll just go along with this now. Like, this is my new life. Yep. He adapts very well. Um, and then, yeah, like you have just kind of the, the rebel takeover, which is like all really, really interesting and really cool. Um, the soldiers coming through like the party is that they came through the party, but then is that connected to the hospital where Roth is? I was very confused about that. And also why did they go to Roth's hospital room? I guess they were tipped off by Fredo who tipped off Johnny who sent the, the army guys. I guess that's what would have had to have happened. Which, why at that point is Fredo still working for Roth? That's the part that's like, what the fuck are you doing, Fredo? Yeah, but then again, Fredo is kind of like the kind of guy who wants to be on the winning team, whatever that might might be, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but then the army guys prevent Roth from getting shot. They just shoot the dude. I love the, the dude's surprises. He's like <laughs> trying to kill him with a pillow and she's like oh shit and just gets blown away um but that's all good stuff yeah and then mike gets home and finds out that uh Kay had a miscarriage from from tommy so the intermission happens and then we immediately get mike coming home again and it's like winter and like yep. it's it's just symbolism of like everything's everything's not great it's <laughs> cold um how did we jump into the court so fast? When did that happen? It just kind of happened. The intermission happens and it's basically like almost like a new movie starts where it's like no explanation and we just get put into like a new situation. But basically Chi Chi, who is the bodyguard of Frankie, is testifying. 
but he doesn't have any direct knowledge of what Mike has done. So what the, what the senators are doing is setting it up just like, Oh, this is our witness. And so then Mike, instead of taking the fifth, which would have been, it would have been bad for him with publicity because everyone would know, no, we took the fifth. So he's probably a bad guy, but because he thinks they only have Chi Chi, he denies everything. And then like, all right, we fucking got you. Cause we actually got Frankie. Um, so that is all the it's basically it is basically like another movie as far as the Mike story now. It's like it really is. And then we have um do they know it's I can't remember. Do they know it's Frankie that that's their witness, or does it take them a second to like kind of think about like who would be who would be the guy? Tom Hagen comes in and is like, it's Roth has set this whole thing up beautifully. They have Frankie, he didn't die. Frankie's on a military base, so we can't even get to him. Right. And he is uh, he is going to to testify against you. I can't even believe in the Cuba thing. We didn't talk about the, like the most iconic part of Mike kissing Fredo and saying, you broke my heart, Fredo. You broke my heart. Actually, what I can't believe more is that at the very beginning during the communion thing, um, when Frankie got the band to play Pop Goes the Weasel, that's not what he was trying for, but that's just what the band did, just to fuck with them. Um, which actually was great because it kind of showed how kind of like just an idiot Frankie is. So then after after they figure out that it's Frankie, um, mm-hmm. we get the part where uh, he goes to Fredo. Fredo's like gives him that big speech about, I'm the older brother, I'm smart, da 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 um, and then the only thing, the only information Fredo can give him back is that the, the main senator belongs to Roth. And so that's what this whole thing is. He's like, all right, Fredo, you're nothing to me now. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear from you. You let me know when you're coming to see mama because I'm not going to be here anymore. Um, right. And then, he, and then the, he tells Rocco like, hey, Fredo gets to live as long as my mom lives. Like, don't, you know, don't touch him until then. Um, and then the mom says, dies. Eventually, yeah, we're not there yet. She eventually dies. Um, so Frankie goes to testify, and this random, ominous-looking gentleman gets brought in by Mike, and we find out that that's Frankie's brother, and this is just a sign of like, hey, Frankie, no talking. <laughs> that's your brother. And uh, I thought that part was really cool because they were trying to figure out, like, how do we get on the base? How do we kill him before he gets on the stand? Everything like that. And then they were like, Oh, he has a brother. Yeah, but it wasn't like they were threatening his brother that they were going to kill him. It was the brother like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? This is not how we do things. You're not testifying. We don't rat. That's what it was because his brother was like this old school guy. Yeah, that's true. Um, That's more the feeling that I got. But you could also say that that was half of it. And the other half is that they could have totally killed the brother. Probably. Probably. I do like the way that uh, Frankie describes him as like, oh, my brother just loves that two mule town that he's going to go back to. Right. Um, and then we talked, about, we already talked about the K scene where she says she had an abortion and he slaps her and you know, you're not taking the children. I still think like her actions are, I mean, we're not really shown anything that would give like her motivation for wanting to leave considering that she married him in the first place. I guess she just regrets what she did and that she thought things would have changed a lot quicker, but I still think it could have been presented 
a lot better. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, but so he gets out of the, the whole, the whole Congress thing doesn't, doesn't pan out the way Roth wanted. And then we get to the mom's funeral. Um, you know, Connie asks, Connie asks that, uh, that Fredo be forgiven and Mike seemingly gives in, but I, I love like when he goes and hugs Fredo and you're like, Oh, this is such a sweet moment. And then he looks up at Rocco and Rocco's like, all right, well, still got to kill this guy. I, I also thought the scene with Connie where she said she tried to hurt Mike and she realized that he was, he was just being strong like Papa, which connects back to when Mike was like, Hey, was, was Papa, he's talking to his mom. He's like, was Papa strong? And like, did that hurt the family? Like, you know, am I doing this wrong? And Connie just is like, later on, like, no, no. He, like, I realize you're, you're doing things right. I think it's a, like a, that's obviously a very good scene. And like, especially the way it connects to like the, the Fredo stuff. Yeah. And the veto stuff. That's true. So now we find out that Roth was rejected by Israel, Brazil, soon to be Panama, because Mike apparently has connections all at all these places. That's right. And uh, Tom's like, well, we can't kill him in Miami. That's impossible. And Mike's like, nothing's impossible. Yeah. And Rock was like, Rock was like, I can make it happen. Yeah. I, I can, I can get this done. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be hard, Mike, but not impossible. Rocco has to know he's not going to just kill this guy in the airport and like make it out. Like this is a suicide mission. I I thought the same thing. I almost thought at first because we didn't really see Rocco's face clearly until he got shot. I thought he sent like a lower guy to do it. That's what I would have done. I'm not well, taking because you're chance. a coward. Well, no, because I'm smart. I'm <laughs> not like dumb like they say. I'm smart. <laughs> uh, like. Tom tries to talk him out of killing Roth and he's just like, I, I love the line of like, why do you have to kill all your enemies? Like you've won. And Mike's like, you know, I don't, or he's like, why do you have to go after everyone? He's like, I don't have to go after everyone, just my enemies. And my, Tom's like, but you won. And which is like, they're talking about Roth, but it's really like about Fredo. It's really about everyone. And we really but, see that he goes, he goes after every, Hey, did you think, I know you've seen this before. But did you think that um, when Tom went to visit Frankie, uh, did you think it was going to be revealed that Tom was actually the traitor? Oh, no. No? No. No. I didn't know that Tom was like this time watching it's fairly obviously saying but i didn't remember that tom goes to him and is basically like, hey fucking kill yourself and we'll take care of your family yeah in a not so subtle way of saying that hey remember when the roman senators killed themselves and their families got taken care of that shit was crazy yeah hey well, remember how we we uh we base our entire um hierarchy on the roman uh um the roman army and how they killed themselves yeah, it's just like, yeah. Uh, and then I like the ending a lot parallel to how the first movie ended where you saw like the assassination of the five families at the end of the movie. With this, you get Frankie's suicide. You get, um, uh, what's the other death? Not Fredo's death. Um, Roth. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the airport, right. So you get... Frankie's suicide, Roth's assassination, 
and then finally Fredo's assassination. Uh, and I love the view. It's obviously one of those like director views where they know while they're doing it that it's fucking cool. But Mike, like from the boathouse from far off, just watching like, you don't really know if he's watching Fredo get killed, but I think you know he's watching Fredo get killed. Um, I think that's really cool. I, uh, I read somewhere so that um, the book was written by Mario Puzo. Yeah. And uh, this script was written by Coppola and Puzo. And they disagreed on whether Fredo should actually be killed in the end. And Coppola wanted him killed. And Puzo said, fine, but you have to wait until after his mom's dead. Otherwise, like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so that's why it happened after the mom died. And that's why the mom died so quickly. Um, I also think that um, there was supposed to be a scene. I'm spoiling three a little bit for you. But there's supposed to be a scene where... uh, Anthony tells his dad, like, I don't want to follow in your footsteps. And I think that a lot has to do with like the relationship he built with Fredo and he has to know that, you know, Mike killed Fredo. Mm. Um, as a kid, like as a little boy, he says that. No, there's like a flash forward thing, but oh. I think that it's just kind of established in three. Uh, I think that's like obvious though. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, Mike can't help himself. He's, you see like the full turn and I do love, you see that full turn into just like, he's no longer the person he was at the beginning of Godfather one. And then to immediately flashback and he's the person from Godfather before Godfather one, but he's that same idealistic person. Yeah. And the way he talks to Tom and Sonny and Sonny, like wants to fight him for joining the Marines. And he's just like, you know, I believe in something more like I want to fight for my country. And Tom's like, we got you a deferment, you know, me and your father, we talk about your future all the time. And he's like, you talk about my future which is also like another good like Easter, not Easter egg, but just like setting up why he's like annoyed with Tom throughout this whole time. Cause it's like you and my father are fucking like planning out my future. Like who are you to do that? Um, but I really like that, that flashback. Um, and then after the flashback, cause we, you know, we talked about the flashback, but after the flashback, we get kind of present day, uh, contemplative, contemplative yeah, Mike, contemplative, 60-year-old Mike on a park bench. And then there, and then Fade to Black, written and directed by Frank Coppola. Francis. Yeah. Um, I mean, we already discussed it. I, this is obviously like a masterpiece. It's really great. I liked it better than the first one just because I felt like no matter what scene you're in, there's always a action piece. There was always something that was moving the story along um, that was exciting. And I felt like there was too many, at some points in the first one, there were too many talking heads. And it was like, yeah, I guess you can just sit around and talk about it. And the dialogue is interesting and it's well done, but this is a fucking movie. This isn't a book, right? Like fucking do stuff. And like from the beginning where he's being, you know, he sees his mom dies and he's being shot at all the way to the end where his son um, hires a guy to kill his brother and then the assassination in the airport. Like it's just, it moves. I feel like the flow of it is so much better. You know what this made me think of too? And I talked about how uh, Coppola said Scorsese should direct this. And obviously in the seventies, it might've been a little different because like taxi driver doesn't feel like this. 
but when we did Goodfellas and Casino and Departed, right, we we kind of talked about how like from a lot of the film, there's just these quick fucking scenes and so much happens and it's so packed in and it's still like two and a half hour movie. Montage but, like, after montage, yeah, yeah. Right, like, well, they're not even montages, but they feel like montages because the scenes are so short, right? Right. But this movie is so long because it's like each scene is not rushed. And it's right. not to say that it's paced poorly because it is paced very well, but it's just like it goes along and like this is, this is the way the story is being told. And it's like we're not speeding it up. We're not slowing it down. Whereas like if Scorsese, if Scorsese of like Departed and Goodfellas, like it'd be interesting to see those like beginning stuff. Like, like this might, would probably be like a two hour, 45 minute movie. And like we wouldn't lose any scenes, the scenes would just be shorter, you know. Like well, it'd be interesting to see. Here's my theory on that too: it's it's uh, part of the movie. A good portion of the movie is a period piece, and you could see how much you know they invested in in set design of the block that uh, Vito grew up in, um, and then eventually runs. And then, not even a period piece, but you have the Cuban scene where it's just the so elaborate and so much money and effort and time and detail were put into these set pieces. Don't you want to like, as a director, who's, who's, you know, and a production company, who's all your money is in these set pieces. Don't you want to take as long as possible to explore these like sets you know what I'm saying? Like, why you're gonna build an entire Cuban city? You're gonna build an entire eight nineteen oh one, you know, or actually at that point it's like nineteen twenties, um, New York. Like, you're not gonna want to rush through that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't think they built Cuba. I just think they filmed in the Dominican Republic. So, you're you're saying that all the like the riots and the explosions and the fire and everything like that, they just set a, a Dominican Republic town on fire? No, I don't think they set a Dominican Republic town on fire. I just don't think they built it. Well, I mean, but you see what I'm saying, though. Like, you put you, such elaborate set pieces. I wouldn't want to rush through it. I'm not saying rush through it, but you could, you could trim. Like, like did you have to show the entire 10 minute walk of them walking the carpet from one house to the other i don't know probably not no you're not gonna have you're not gonna paint me into the corner where i'm saying that this could have been shorter i think it's a great movie i love it um i love the first one a little better i just think it would be like it's one of those things where it's like it would be interesting to see another version of this movie and how like someone else would do it so yeah i mean i should i be excited about the third one like is it is it good is it like i started coded today i got about 10 minutes in and then baby started crying so i don't know okay um i i have i have tomorrow to try and watch it before it leaves peacock (laughs) um well good to know the uh things that i've heard about godfather part three is that it's not nowhere near as good as one and two but i guess we'll we'll see we'll find out eventually Thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched The Godfather Part 2.